So turn with me to Daniel chapter 11. I'm bringing a word towards this one that I titled, Those Who Know Their God. You know, and this message came to me, interestingly, while I was coming back on the plane. I was just praying, you know, and then God just dropped this word in my heart. And I feel that it's very, very relevant to us, especially in the season that we are. You know, we are in very, very trying times. Uh, not just only by reason of the peculiar challenges, economic, political, or whatever challenges that we're going through, you know, but more importantly, the darkness that is, the scripture calls it the covering cast upon the nations. You know, when, when a time and a season when the heart of men does not have, you know, space, men don't have time and space for God anymore. Because that place that God used to occupy, man now occupies it. With every sense of breakthrough in science, with every sense of breakthrough in knowledge, you know, with the more man is able to fend for himself, the more he feels he's become a God to himself. Hallelujah. And the, it's the same in across all nations. It's not, uh, you know, it's not even places where some sort of chaos and things are going through. The template of Satan is the same. The strategy is what is different. Am I making sense? Is that we come to a point where he's able to bring that same realization that he sold to Eve. See, as God said this, this. Said, no, God is a liar. You are a God to yourself. And when you take this fruit, you become a God to yourself. You know good and evil. Your sense of right or wrong will be in yourself. You have the capacity to say this is right and this is wrong. And you can legislate and authorize by your sense of right and wrong. And that's why we have conflicts everywhere. Because everybody is right in their own eyes. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Everyone is right in their own eyes. And then we've, we keep pushing the boundaries of that. You know, keep pushing the boundaries of that. And we have not seen anything yet. The chaos is going to continue. <laughs> Amen. When you think you've, you've been surprised, something else will happen again and you are, you know, my wife and I were talking about um, a, a guy who is in his 50s, who now identifies as a, is this, is this a six-year-old T? A six-year-old, a six-year-old girl. And um, that's not the end of the story. You know, some years ago, that would have been very surprising to me. That's not surprising anymore. Here, the surprise of the story. A family in Canada now adopted him or her. She's now a her. And he's now a younger sister to their nine-year-old girl. A 56-year-old man identifies he's had five children and a wife. He now identifies as a six-year-old girl. And now a family, a husband and wife who has brain inside their head. <laughs> And they now adopted her, you know, moved him into their house, and he's now a six-year-old, and he's the younger sister of their nine-year-old girl. You know. Your natural reaction is ridiculousness, right? But your accurate reaction is the cry for mercy. Because the people have taken something that they can no longer control. We have logged on. To, you know, it's like you log on and you a virus has infected your system and then you can't control it anymore. It's now, you know when a virus takes over a system, those who are computer literate here, it begins to do what? It begins to eat up everything. All your files become corrupted, your secret files, no matter the type of document, everything, there is nothing that is hidden or separated from the access of that virus and the virus doesn't stop until it does what? Completely takes over everything. That's what's going on in the world today. That's what's, there's something cancerous about what's going on in the world today. And that thing meant, means only one thing for mankind. It's called destruction. It's called destruction. There is no peace. Even when you choose to agree with them, another knowledge will come that will create a new disagreement. Am I making sense? You know, I was, it was fun to me the day I heard that. You know, now you have... You have LGBTQ and then plenty, plenty after, right? 
Some of those ones are breaking the L and the G now. They are breaking away from the rest of the letters. Because they feel that, no, 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 no. We don't agree with this one you are talking about. <laughs> Amen. So it doesn't matter. If you choose, okay, we agree with you, then another one will come again. And there will be a disagreement. There is just, that's like cancer. It's, everything is just want to destroy and tear humanity apart. Hallelujah. You know, but God has given us not only a message of peace, but a life of peace. And the reason is so that we do not live only for ourselves in the corner of our lives, only having our little life in order, but so that we can be a light to nations and to people who are in darkness. Scripture says, it said the people of Naphtali and Zebulon, a people who, are, who sat in darkness, to them what? A great light has appeared. Who is that light? Jesus. And you are the light of the world now. You are the sent one now. You are now sent to another people of Zebulon and Naphtali, whatever their name is. They are probably in your place of work. They are probably in another nations of the earth. You know, some of you, maybe God is sending you to Europe or something. You are a light meant to shine and release the glory of the Lord upon the people. Hallelujah. But while, you know, that process, that ongoing process, you know, that process is ongoing, we must give attention to our foundation. Say so we must give attention to our foundation. Absolutely important. So this message is a foundational message. I titled it, Those Who Know Their God. Give me Daniel 11, verse 30, very quickly. People have stumbled greatly over this, um, over the visions of Daniel. Daniel 10, 11, you know, 12. And because people always come, approach it from an eschatological point of view, you know. Um, but that's not what I'm going to do today. Um, maybe one day, God will help us to break down this Daniel you know, prophecies and visions, and it will knock off some of our doctrine, some of the, our most revered doctrine. But today is not that day. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, ships of Kitim will come against him, and being intimidated, he will withdraw. Then he will rage against the holy covenant and take action. On his return, he will favor those who abandon the holy covenant. Verse 31. So his forces will rise up and desecrate the temple fortress. They will abolish the daily sacrifice and set up the abomination of desolation. Verse 32. Verse 32. He said, with flattery. Somebody say, with flattery. He will do what? Corrupt those who do what? Act wickedly towards the what? The covenant. But the people who know their God will be what, sir? will be what? Will be strong and do what? And take action. One of the reasons I wanted us to read this is because in the King James it says, this that know their God will be strong and they will do exploit. And people have used all kind of meanings for that exploit. When you win one million, that's exploit. When you're a billionaire, I said no. <laughs> Money does not have that much value in the realm of the spirit. Amen. He's talking about a specific directed action exploit against an onslaught against an, an onslaught and we're going to see that more this this morning hallelujah he said with flattery he will do what he will corrupt those who do what act wickedly to act wickedly against the covenant is not necessarily doing something dangerous it's simply not to give regard to the covenant when you pattern your life outside of the covenant when you have, you know, created an identity for yourself that is outside of the identity God has given to you, that is acting wickedly what? Against the covenant. When you call yourself the name that God hasn't called you, when you have an identity that God hasn't bestowed upon you, when you are in the frame that is not the frame of God. Hallelujah. Am I making sense this morning? Am I making sense? When you are in a frame. When you are in a frame. When there is no regard for God and no fear of the Lord. 
when you are outside of the boundaries. You know, scripture says you do not what? What did it say about the ancient landmark? Do not do what? Remove the ancient landmark. Do not despise the word of the Lord. Do not despise the boundaries of God. You know, and we're in a time and a season where there is pressure. It is not, it is fashionable now to be rebellious. It is fashionable to be bad. It is fashionable to be dangerous, to live dangerously. We hail people who do crazy things. These are the people we admire today. People who have no boundaries. People who have no sense of restraint. Hallelujah. We are in a race to keep pushing the boundaries of profanity and immorality and all kinds of dangerous things. We are in a competition of who can do it better, who can do it more. We see it in our movies, we see it in our music videos, we see it in our lifestyle, we see it in our dressing. Who can bear it more? Dangerous times. There is no restraint. There is no restraining voice. There is no wisdom that is guiding men. All the anchors are off. There is no direction. Hallelujah. Now there is gratification and a lust that is unquenchable. There is a test for glory that is making people depressed. You see a 30-year-old person depressed that they have not achieved anything. And what the achievement is he looking for? He wants to be a multi-billionaire. Why? Because there is so much pressure in surroundings. Things of value have now been completely forgotten. Honor, respect. Being family-oriented. Next week we're going to talk about being family-oriented. Amen. The world is completely upside down. And things of value are no longer common. The systems and the standards by which we judge success and achievement and excellence, they're completely upside down. Those who act wickedly against the covenant. These people will fall into the flattery of the enemy. They will fall into deception. Sweet words, deceitful words will make sense to them. It will be very logical. Why? Because of the lust of the heart. It's very logical. Not praying, not being submissive, not following the steps of the spirit. It would be very logical and easy. Why? Because the heart is longing and lusting after something. And those are the people that will fall prey to the flattery of the enemy. But scripture says, those that do what? That know their God. What are they going to do? They're going to be strong. What does Ephesians 6 say? Say, be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be what? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. That's the commandment of the Lord to us. It's time. It is not, we, we, God needs to move us from living on the edge, from having, you know, if you are here and your life is not intense, your work with God is not intense, you are living on a dangerous edge. You should not be at rest. You should not be at ease. You should strive and trust God for grace for him to move you to the place of intensity. And that's what this message is meant to provoke in our lives. It's not enough to be on the edge. Hallelujah. It's not enough to be what? It's not enough to be on the edge. Some of us, we are just hanging to the bus of salvation, like Lagos State Bureau. One leg on the, on the bus, and the next one in the air. And if you go, they are the first person to jump off. Thinking that by their own heroics, they will be saved. Come in the bus and sit down and put your seatbelt on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Papa said, those that know their God will be what? Will be strong. What else? The word, the word, you know, strong means yada. Sorry, the word no. Go back to that Daniel 11. The word no. He said, those that know their God. The word no means yada. And what does yada mean? It means to know by experience, to know by discernment, to know by revelation, and to know by learning. To know by experience, to know by discernment, 
to know by what? Revelation. And to know by what? By learning. Those that know their God. So, so it means that <coughs> the knowledge is not knowledge of definition. Say, well, who is God? You say, God is good. God is kind. God is lovely. No. To know by experience. You have experienced God. If you ask Moses to describe the God he met on the mountain, he would give you a very different description from the children of Israel who are downhill. Because they've had two different experiences. Am I making sense? They've had completely two different words. If you ask Peter, James, and John to describe Jesus after the experience at the Mount of Transfiguration, they will have a completely different opinion than the rest of the disciples. They have had a knowledge that is by what? By experience and by revelation. If I give you this guitar now and I say, please describe this guitar or tell me about this guitar. The way, you know, maybe a chairman is going to tell me, it's going to be different from the way Folisha is going to tell me. Why? Because Folisha has experienced the guitar more intimately. The strings, the sound of the strings, you can talk about each of the strings, the kind of sound that comes out from each of the strings, what the key is, Choma will probably say, oh, it's a brown and blue guitar with, you know, five strings and all that. You know, there's some shiny metal on top of it and all that. But somebody else will describe it more deeply. Why? Because of experience. Some, somebody say because of experience. That's what it means to know God. It means to know him by experience. Have you experienced him? Are you learning? Are you learning of God? Jesus said, learn of me. He said, do what? Take my yoke upon you and do what? And learn. Learn. It gives the idea of a school. Gives the idea of what? A regimented system of learning, of exposure to knowledge. You know, and I'm jumping and preempting myself, but that's ultimately where we're going. Our experience, our relationship with God must be a vocation. It is until it becomes a vocation that we will come to the level and the realm of knowledge that this scripture is talking about. So it's not some random stuff. Am I making sense? It's not some random sense of knowledge. It is a knowledge that you are married to, that you are committed to. There's a knowledge you have about your partner, about your spouse, your husband or your wife that nobody has. You've lived with that person for years. You're stuck with that person. Am I making sense? In good times, in bad times, when it's easy, when it's not easy, when you're struggling, when you're not struggling, whether you have anger problem or anger management, or you have just stuck with that person and you're learning whether you like it or not. Solo show. Am I speaking the marriage language? You're learning. Sometimes you fight with your wife. You are looking at the bed. You don't want to sleep on the bed. But you have a commandment of the Lord to, to, to stay there. You're there. And both of you be waiting for who we beg each other first. <laughs> and then you're looking at the day, you look at you. And then she will turn and pray as if she has slept. She's not slept though. If you like, don't have wisdom and go and touch her and say, I'm sorry. You'll be a fool. <laughs> When you turn, I think you ask that you just turn and say, hey, this is nonsense. Marriage is a completely different thing. Tema is smiling. <laughs> Amen. That is, that's another type of knowledge. That's another type of knowledge. And the information, what you receive, what you know, is completely different from what somebody outside knows. Amen. Nobody can describe your partner to you. Can nobody else describe Simi to you? Even most likely now, Simi's parents cannot give you a more perfect description of her than you, even though they gave birth to her. Hallelujah. It is knowledge by what? Experience. By experience. God wants us to come to the place of an experience of him. Not just being by the wayside. Just having mental assent. No. 
He wants us to come to the deep end of the pool. He wants us to really know him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word strong means, so I said yada means to know God by what? Experience, by discernment, by revelation, you know. And it means to know God by intimacy and fellowship. The word strong is the Hebrew word called hazak. And it means to prevail, to grow firm, to grow secure. That's what it means. Those that know their God shall be what? Shall be strong. They shall prevail. They shall be firm. They shall be unmovable. They shall be unshakable. They shall be unbreachable. Knowledge is a strong defense. Somebody say knowledge is a strong defense. It's a strong defense. It's a very strong defense. And the more you give attention to knowledge, the more reinforced you are. Oftentimes, we think people who pray long hours are the strongest. No. It's those who are established in knowledge. Even though it's an aspect of knowledge that is reinforced in prayer. Am I making sense? But it's not just praying. You know, there are some people, there is very low knowledge, but huge prayer, and yet they are not establishing the truth. People can fast seven days, but let them hear bed, scream at night. They will do vigil again that day. What's the purpose of the seven days fasting then? What's the purpose of your learning if you can't apply it in the day that is needed? What's the purpose? If everything scares us, if everything, you know, confuses us, if any simple thing, we are scattered, we are all over the place, we are confused, we are depressed, what is the point of the knowledge of the Lord that we have? What is the point? Scripture says you put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to do what? Stand. Which day? In the evil. The reason you go to school is when there is examination, whether in the examination or, or the examination of life, you can do what? You can scale it. Imagine, imagine, uh, after six years or more years of um, medical school, asthmaship, every day, all the things you do, you are now in the hospital. A patient now comes. You are now seeing blood. You are now shaking. You want to hold the, what's it called? What's your surgical equipment? Your hand is shaking. You want to vomit because you're seeing blood. What's the purpose of all that years of training? That's the way some of us Christians behave. When we're faced with issues, it, there is no difference between us and those who don't have the knowledge of God. We are af- as afraid as people who don't know God. We are scattered as people who don't know God. There is no internal solidity. There is no firmness on the inside. There is no standing firm. When a little wind blows and things are contrary, we are as, we are scattered. We are as, you know we are as frustrated as people who don't have God, and we are desperate. This knowledge of God must count for something. It must count for a changed behavior. Am I making sense this morning? Am I making sense this morning? Those who know their God will do what? Will prevail. They will be strong. They will stand firm. They are unmovable. They are unshakable. Nothing shakes them. Nothing moves them. Nothing scares them. Because they are established in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Scripture says, I know God in whom I have believed. And I know he will stand for me against that day. That is confidence and conviction in God. Psalm 27 said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Say, Whom shall I fear? Say, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall what shall I be afraid? He said, When my enemies gather against me to eat the flesh of my body, he said, They will stumble and fall, and I will stand. And then he went on to say, Verse 4. He said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That is my preoccupation. The world may be in chaos. I have only one thing and only one desire. He said, That I may join the house of the Lord. All the world. All the days of my life. He's not talking about the physical temple because it's impossible to dwell in the physical temple. Even priests don't dwell there all the days of their life. He's talking about the place in God where there is access and where there is constant learning and experience of the divine. Hallelujah. He said, for in the day of trouble, he will do what? He will keep me in his pavilion. 
He said, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall do what? He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon the rock. He says, so is my head exalted above my enemies who surround me. That is what the knowledge of the Lord does to you. It gives you elevation. It gives you insight. You can see afar off. You can see afar off. It puts you on a place that is safe. Even though there is turmoil around you, there is inner peace. Somebody say inner peace. Somebody say inner peace. That's what the knowledge of the Lord does to you. That's what the knowledge of the Lord does to you. And that's the clarion call of the Lord this morning. We should come to the place of knowledge. We should come to the place of knowledge. Become enrolled in the school of the Spirit and take it up as a vocation. Take it up as what? As a vocation. Hallelujah. Can we move forward? Can we move forward? Hallelujah. Amen. A wise man is what? Is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge does what? Increases strength. Strength is not muzzle in the spirit. Am I making sense? It's not what? It's not muzzle. In the realm of the spirit, strength is knowledge. Knowledge is strength. Every time you think about the concept of strong, be strong in the Lord, just replace it with knowledge and it's very clear to you. It's knowledge. It's knowledge. And whether you like it or not, there are other knowledge that is fighting that knowledge of God in you. That is trying to sway you. Or that is trying to attack your conviction in God. That is what all of life experience is all about. Whether it's the good stuff or the bad stuff, everything comes to the place where there is a reckoning, where there is a conflict within you concerning the knowledge of God. And that's what leads to backsliding. It's not just the external events only. It's about the external events are producing a certain conflict internally. And if there is not enough knowledge inside of you, what is going to happen to your faith? It's going to fail. That's the reason why people fall into doubt, fall into fear, fall into unbelief. Why? Because the pressure that is coming from outside is stronger than the word, than the reinforcement on the inside. So without, Bible said that Abraham did not waver. Romans chapter 4. It says Abraham did not waver concerning the word, the promise of God. So the pressure of life was coming against Abraham. The pressure, the reality of old age, the reality of his dead body, the reality of the deadness of his sexual organs, the reality of this, you know, all those things was working together and constituted pressure against him. But he had something stronger on the inside. So the Bible says he did not do what? He did not waver at the promise of God to unbelief. The conviction in the word of God was stronger than the pressure outside. So even though he was saying those things, his heart was not moved. He was saying those things, his heart was resolute in God. Every time he considers it, then the wave of God's word bubbles up on the inside of him and those things completely swallows up everything that was speaking to him. Hallelujah. Knowledge is water. Strength. Knowledge is strength. Bible said the man of knowledge increases in what? Strength. It's time for God's people to become strong. It's time for God's people to become strong by the what? By the knowledge of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give me Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Say, finally, my brethren, be what, sir? I can't hear you. Be what? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what, sir? It, against the what? The wiles. And that word for wild is scheme. And that word is strategy of the enemy. Or the craft of the enemy. And that immediately completely changes the dynamics of this. Because every time you hear be strong the Lord, you are thinking of sword and arrow and then we are marching and then we are 
shooting arrow against the and the enemy is galloping and coming. No, it's talking about schemes, crafts, strategies of the enemy. Hallelujah. Remember what we said, Daniel 11? He said, those who know their God shall be what? Strong. What does it mean to be strong? They will stand firm. They will stand rooted. They will stand established. And they will do exploit. To do exploit, actually in that verse, you know, to do exploit means that, it means asa, which means to stand firm, to resist. That's that exploit. Resist rebellion. Resist the deceit of the enemy. Resist being tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine. To stand firm. He said, having done all to stand. Stand therefore. What is going to make you stand? Somebody said knowledge. It's knowledge. So when the Bible says, be strong in the Lord, that's what strength. He said, be knowledgeable. Because the knowledge of the Lord is what, sir? Strength. Be knowledgeable. It's calling you to knowledge. It's calling to knowledge. The knowledge of the Lord is strength. The knowledge of the Lord is what? Strength. The word strength in Ephesians 6 is called a, a dunamo, means internal capacity. It means reinforcement. It means conviction. It means that you do not waver. Remember, we just read Romans 4 20. He said, Abraham did not what? He did not waver about the promise of God. He was so reinforced in his conviction. The Bible said, the one, Jesus was speaking in Matthew, he said, the one who hears my word, I will liken him to the one who built his house where? On the rock. He said, the flood came. Somebody said, the flood is coming. I'm not here. He said, the flood is coming. He said, the wind is coming. It will come. Can't pray against it. You see, but big dumps there are certain set of people who know that the flood is coming, who know that the wind is coming, and because of that, they build their house where, sir? On the rock. And when the flood hit, they didn't even feel anything. They were sipping wine inside. <laughs> when the wind hit, they didn't feel anything. Because their house is unbreachable, it's unbreakable. They have built something that is reinforced. They've put something that cannot be breached. Bring all the battering rams in the whole world of knowledge, of divine, devilish craft. They are unbreachable. Why? Because they are solidified in knowledge of the Lord. God wants you unbreachable. God wants your gates to be solid and secure. And that nothing of this world can breach you. Nothing can touch your children. Nothing can touch your spouse. Nothing can touch your friends. Nothing can touch, nothing can tamper with your sphere of influence. Why? Because you're unbreachable and unbreakable. That's what God wants every one of us here to be. Reinforced. Reinforced. Colossians 2. He said, therefore, as you have received Christ. He said, so do what? Walk ye in him. Being what? Rooted and grounded. When you plant a seed, the first, the primary function, the primary activity of that new plant is to grow what? Roots downwards. Because its life depends on how deep its roots can go. Your life depends on how deep your roots can go in God. Your journey determines how deep your roots can go. Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember... During my birthday last year, my wife bought this, you know, the, she got a cake and she got this, um, what's this sparkling stuff that you liked? Uh, what's the name? Those of you who do events. Is it candle? Is it candle that's just, yeah, like fireworks. Uh. So the thing was very long. I was thinking that, okay, once you light it, we burn like maybe for maybe one minute or two minutes. <laughs> and then we light it and it just pop pow. And then maybe after... 10 seconds or so, the thing just went off. I was like, what's... I just realized that the, the, uh, the combustible stuff inside it is very small. Very small. So I finally found the original one in my travel, and the, that one really burnt for a long time. Ah, I said, they counterfeited this thing. <laughs> That's the way some Christians look. They look glittering, beautiful on the outside, but light them off. 
and within a few seconds, the energy is gone, completely dissipated. Yet there are some people who can go the extra mile, who can stand and defend their land, can defend their territory, can hold out against the enemy, can hold out against the onslaught, can stay in faith unwavering, can stay in faith undistracted, their gates solid, unbreachable, unbreakable. They are strong. First year, second year, third year. They are ready. They are strong. They are not distracted. The joy of the Lord is their strength. Why? Because they are establishing knowledge. Strengthened with might in your spirit by your inner man. Strengthened with might. God wants us to be strengthened. And it is the knowledge of the Lord that brings that word, that brings our strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not hearing you. Hallelujah. Amen. So the armor of the Lord, when you go back to Ephesians 6, say the armor of God. Come on, say with me. Say the armor of God. The armor of God is the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God. The armor, take on the old armor of God, is the knowledge of God manifesting as salvation, as righteousness, as truth, as, as the what? As the shoe. Everything is knowledge of God. Is the manifestation that is what? That is different. It is the knowledge of God. Take with you the sword of the spirit. Is that not the knowledge of God? Which is the word? The word of God. The rema, the proceeding word. Everything is knowledge. It is knowledge that is being turned to equipping. Say knowledge that is turned to equipping. That is what the armor of God is. The one in your Bible is just there. It has not yet turned to equipment. Are you hearing me, sir? Are you hearing me, madam? The, the, the word in your Bible is just mere letters. It has not been turned to word. It is when it moves from that book into, first into your head because your five senses interfaces with it. Then it moves from your head into your heart by meditation, by dwelling on it. By imbibing it, by assimilating it, that is when it turns into an equipment. Hallelujah. We've been taught wrong. You know, you see somebody, how many of us have watched some of these funny Christian movies? Something will appear, and then the person will jump up and say, In the name of Jesus, and then we open our Bible and say, Psalm 23, and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No. That one you are reading by that time is not equipment. That's not how it works. It's not a fire brigade stuff. Am I making sense? See, I rebook you. And I now use the Bible. Say, the Lord, I rebook you. That Bible is just a book. The, the demon can even burn it. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is the one that has been imbibed in the heart. That's the one that has turned into breastplates. Or the one that has turned into helmet, or the one that has turned into the belt of truth, or the one that has turned into the shoe of the gospel, or the one that has turned into water, the sword of the spirit. That's what that's what it means by putting on the word. It means it's the word. It means it's the word. It means imbibe the word. It means meditate on it, assimilate it. Transfer it from inside the book to inside your heart. Read the word. Marry the word. That is the one that has turned into what? The equipping. That's the one that has turned into the ammo. So as long as it's there, here, it's just mere words. But when it enters the heart, it comes alive. When the Bible says the word of God is what, sir? It's living and what? And active. Sharper than two-edged sword. The realm of the manifestation of that word that scripture is talking about in Hebrews 4 is in the heart. That's when it comes alive. Like quote, you know, you just punch a quote. Pam, 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 pam. And then suddenly something opens. Hallelujah. And then something is programmed. You know, and then once you punch the code, things become activated. That's the way the word is. 
when you put it where it is supposed to be. Don't leave the world out of its realm of manifestation. Some of you, you are leaving the world in your book. The, inside the Bible is not its realm of manifestation. Am I making sense? Put the world where it is supposed to manifest. Put the world where it is supposed to do what? Manifest. It's in your heart. There is a hole in your heart that the world is meant to fill. When it is there, it comes alive. It's full nature. It's full power. It's grace. It's power. It's mercy. Comes alive when you put it where it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your parastamol is just a white substance on the shelf. Doesn't that make any sense? You can even sweep it away in the dustbin. But put it inside of you when you have a dick. Then you will see his power. Am I making sense? Or your antibiotics or any other drug. They paint it in some of them even have color. It's like he wants to dance. Red and green and all kinds of colors. Just look at even your child can look at it and think it's sweet. But it's dangerous. It's dangerous, full of power. Inside that pill, just put it in its realm and you see display. Put the word where it's supposed to be. Put the word in your heart. That is where its realm of manifestation is. Put it where it belongs. Don't leave it in the don't don't, don't leave it in the in the sachet. Don't leave it in the book. Don't leave it in your head. Let it travel to your heart. Devote time. Meditate. Swallow it like a pill. And do it daily. Like a prescription. Two in the morning, two in the evening. Is that not how you kill that or drive sickness away? No matter the sickness. Say, doctor, are you sure? Puma I just keep taking it. First day you take it, it's still looking like nothing is going on. Second day, nothing is going on. Third day, ah, I'm not feeling it. But just keep taking it. At a certain time, something will break. How many of you have, how many of you have had fever? Do you know, you know when it's, the fever is about to break. When you're about to overcome, you will know, just begin to sweat. The drug is gaining momentum. I've today. <laughs> Suddenly, the shivering stops. Suddenly, the weakness flies out. You that they have been begging you with food, you will now see food. You'll be chasing the food. They will now be telling you to slow down. That don't finish. Buaritis, ah, don't finish the food. <laughs> Why? The victory has been won. There has been an equipping in the spirit. That's the way the word of God is. So put on the whole armor of God. Put it on. Put it where it is supposed to manifest. And then you will see the sword. And then you see the breastplate. And then you see the helmet. And then you see the belt of truth. You will see full equipping manifest, show up in the evil day. He said, do this so that you'll be able to do what, sir? Stand in the what? In the evil day. The day of conflict. The day of confusion. The day of frustration. The day where it seems as if all hell is breaking loose. The days when things are slow. The days where it seems as if the promise of God is not going to come to pass. The day when it seems as if you are alone. Things are delayed. Things are not working the way it's supposed to work. The day it seems as if you are not having a job. You are not living a good life. You are battling with your health. The day that you think that everything is just against you. That's the day you have been equipped to stand. That's the day you have been equipped to shout the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's the day you're supposed to burst forth into dancing. That is why you are not normal. You have, been, you have collided with the word of the Lord. You have collided with the knowledge of the Lord. And now knowledge is manifesting in a difficult and a trying time. Power of God is manifesting in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God is not in word, but in what, sir? Power. It's power. This thing has power. It's not mere words. We don't come here every Sunday and just preach mere words. This thing has got what, sir? It's got power in it. It's got power in it. It's got power in it. So the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us who have been saved, it is the what? The power of God unto salvation. You need the righteousness of God is manifest from faith to faith. Hallelujah. Somebody getting blessed this morning? Somebody getting blessed this morning? He said, knowledge 
The knowledge of God is the armor of God. The knowledge of God is the armor of God. Hallelujah. Give me Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 very quickly. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. It said, therefore I, after I learned of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 16, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, so that what? That the God of our Lord, somebody say the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Glory. May give unto you the what? Of wisdom and what? Revelation. In what, sir? Say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. This must be your prayer every single day. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of God. This knowledge that we've been talking about, how do I get it? By praying this prayer. I want to know you, God. I pray that I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge. So that my eyes can be open. I don't want to stay in the place, in the realm of darkness. I don't want to stay in the realm of blindness. I don't want to be blind in my heart. I want my eyes to be open. While, when, when this word came, that was immediately my prayer. Throughout the flight, I was just praying, Father, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Let me have the knowledge that opens my eyes. Let me have the knowledge that brings understanding, that brings enlightenment. Let me know you. Let me know you the way you truly are. I don't just want to hear you by the hearing of the ear. I want to encounter you. I want to break through the veil. I want the veil to be torn over my heart. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to go to the deep end. I began to pray. I began to tell God, Lord, there are knowledge out there that can confound you if you are not deeply rooted in God. There are things out there. You will come into a season. Your faith will suddenly be shaking. It's as if you've never known God. Why? Because you've not invested enough in reinforcement. It's like someone that is going to battle. You say, who is the one that is going to battle? A king that goes to battle. Who will not first of all see and strategize how he will use 5,000 to defeat 10,000? When our eyes are enlightened, then we are reinforced. Then we're ready to be the light and salt of the earth. Then we are unbreachable. We are unbreakable. Hallelujah. Somebody getting blessed this morning? Is somebody getting blessed this morning? What does verse, 17, verse 18 say? He said, the eyes of your understanding. Somebody says, the eyes of your understanding. If, 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 you, if you are here and you think, these things is not clear to me. This is what is, this is the action of the spirit that is pending. So pray this more. Someone say pray this more. If these things we are saying, you don't, under, you don't seem to understand it. It's sounding like Greek or, or you can't place it. Pray this more. Lord, I pray that the eyes of my understanding be what? Be enlightened. What you need is what, sir? It's enlightenment. It's like when you are trying to learn a new language. You know, it just sound like Greek. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amen. Part of my travel, I went to a French-speaking country, and everything they say, I was just looking at them. So I went to my one of my colleagues. I said, "How do you say good morning in French?" You know, I just learned a few basic things. And so when I tried the bonjour, and you answer me, I tried the comment ça va, and you answer me. I said, "The rest, I'll just wave at you." <laughs> Amen. But leave me in that environment for six months, and let me interact with them daily and learn that language. What's going to happen? I would, I would have been integrated. Understanding would have come to a certain degree. Am I making sense? That's what this is. So when you pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened and you go back to the word and you continue to pray and you go back to the word and you go back to the messages and you go back to these things and you listen to them over and over and over again. Before you know it, the veil will be tearing. The light of God will begin to do what? Begin to tear the veil. Begin to tear the veil. Begin to tear the veil. Hallelujah. If you sit here for six months, let's say you came from another church and you were here for six months and you listen to what God is speaking to you to this place and you put it in your heart. If you go back to where you came from, something would have been different in your life. Your taste bud would have changed to a certain extent. You just realize that, ah. He says, I don't fit here again. Because your taste bud has what, sir? You have been enlightened to a degree. As you continue to press and to pray, the enlightenment grows. The enlightenment does what? It grows. 
and then you begin to enter a new level of discovery, spiritual discovery. You see, the spiritual life is, is like science. It's so much like science. I was discovered with somebody in my travel, we're talking about, you know, a person doesn't believe, you know, he calls himself agnostic and we're talking. And he was talking, I said, the spiritual life is science. It's scientific. The way you mix two chemicals together and then you shake it and then you experiment. Sometimes you fail. I said, if you fail, because he was saying that hey, sometimes why do people pray and then they don't receive uh, the answers to prayer or maybe healing and all that. I said, sometimes when you do an experiment and you fail, does it mean those chemicals and those chemical realities are not real? Do you ever think it's not real? What do you think? You say that maybe I missed something in the process. But when it comes to the issue of faith, you, you, you just jump to conclusion that it's because it's not real. I said, what's the difference? The guy was looking at me. He said, there's no difference. You go back at it again and try it again until you get the accurate process. So the spiritual realm is a realm of continuous, progressive discovery. The knowledge of the Lord is a world of endless discovery. You keep plunging yourself into it, the more enlightened you become. The more enlightened you become. The more conviction is reinforced in your heart. The more sure and steadfast you become. Am I making sense this morning? Somebody getting blessed. Hallelujah. Finally, give me, give me Daniel chapter 1. Say the knowledge of the Lord must become our primary vocation. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Say the knowledge of the Lord must become your primary vocation. And I'm going to end with this. Daniel chapter 1 verse 3. So then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking and gifted in all wisdom, possessing what? Possessing what? Knowledge. And quick to do what? To understand. Who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach? What did they want to teach them? The language of what? The, and the literature of the word? Somebody said the logos. This is what the logos is. They want to teach them the logos of the Chaldeans. They want to teach them the way of life and the tongue of the Chaldeans. The way they think, the way they reason, the culture, the tradition, the inclinations, the leanings, the perspective of the Chaldeans. So what did they do? Verse 5. And the king appointed for them, what sir? A daily provision of the word of the king's delicacies and of the wine. Do you know why they did this? So that they can remove from them the burden of looking for what to eat and drink. So that they can give a full attention to learning. Or in this case, indoctrination. Hallelujah. And you are going to see the manifestation of this learning and indoctrination in the later chapters. Because in the later chapters, when the king set up a huge... Uh, what's it called? A huge uh, idol. That grieving him that was so huge. And he asked all of them to do what? To bow to it. The only people did not bow was Daniel and his three friends who, in quote, refused that indoctrination. Remember, some of these people were men of Israel, of the nobles who were led captive from Israel to what? The learning and the teaching gave them a new identity. A new knowledge brought a what? A new identity. In the same way, the knowledge of the Lord brings a what? The identity of God upon you. So they put them in. This is where the concept of university came from. For three years, for three years, they removed from them the burden of what to eat and what to drink so that they can give their full heart and attention to do what? Sir? To learning. This is how to gain the knowledge of the Lord. By vocation, giving attention to it. It must occupy a place in your heart that the struggle for food, what to eat, what to drink, and what to... That's why scripture says, take no thought. Because when you are taking thought and you are preoccupied with the things of this life, to 
that degree, you will not be able to fully give yourself to the things of the kingdom. And is God saying that you should not be ambitious, you should not work with your hand, or you should not be, uh, be purposeful to work? No, that's not what he's saying. It's just saying that elevate the things of the kingdom. That's why he says, seek first. Put the things of the kingdom in, an, in a place of priority, in an elevated priority beyond your endeavors. Put God first. Your primary vocation is not a scientist or estate manager or whatever. Your primary vocation is devotion to the world, to the locals of the kingdom. The same way they devoted these guys to the world, to the locals of the Chaldeans, the literature, the language, the tongue, and the everything. And after three years, they have completely changed their identity. They even gave them new names. And unfortunately, for you to know how effective that indoctrination is, we don't know their Hebrew names anymore, even us Christians. We still call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is their changed names, the names they rejected. Hallelujah. Their real name is Ananiah, Mishael. What's the name of the third one? Azariah. That's their real name. But today, Christian people are naming their children Abednego. It's the name of an idol. But that's to show you how effective that indoctrination process was. Nobody remember their real name again. If they did not take personal conviction, they would have also not retained their original identity. That's why Daniel said, and he proposed in his heart. There was a conflict. He recognized that this is warfare. The other people just walked into it. Ah, like Jesus. This is somebody say favor. When God brings you out of captivity and separates you from your fellow people, even in the land of captivity, you have favor of God. Somebody shout favor. Everybody shout favor. Say, Lord, favor me in the land of captivity. No, that is not favor. That is indoctrination. But men who don't have wisdom, we call it favor. Amen. It's not favor. You are in the midst of conflict. You are in warfare. Your destiny is about to be sold. You are about to be robbed eternally. And only the design, only the designing will recognize that this is warfare. There is a conflict here. There is a clash of knowledge. There is a conflict of identity. And only the wise will take the way of escape. Daniel saw so he said, ah, Satan, I see you. I can spot you. You cannot hide. I am not veiled. My eyes are clearly open. So he proposed in his heart that he will not define himself by the king's name. So while the others were having lages and having fun, Daniel kept his heart, kept his identity, kept his devotions, did you hear that? He kept his word. So when they saw that this guy did not change, ah, his orientation is not different. Ah, this guy went to our school now. What's going on? There was power inside that repelled all those indoctrinations. Three years, the guy was solid, unchanged, unmovable. Ah, ah, we will still get you. So they started investigating. They now traced his power to his devotions. Say, ah, this guy every day he opens the door and he faces Jerusalem and he prays ah! and he gives attention to the word of the law because even Daniel, scripture says he understood by the rules of the law that the seventh day. So Daniel was his devotion was intact, his commitment, his voc vocation and discipline concerning the word and the spirit was what was intact even though it was in a strange land so they said oh that's the source of his strength that is the source of his unbreachableness this is the reason why we can't break him okay let's make a law then they went to Dairos. so let's make a law this was after many years even another king was there now say let's make a law that nobody should pray unto one girl. ah daniel said oh another wolf satan i see you <laughs> i see you satan and they said, what is he going, what is he going to do? He said, there's nothing we're going to do. We're going to keep doing what we've always done. 
devotions. Kept devotion. In the face of conflict, he maintained his devotion. He maintained his commitment to receiving the knowledge of the Lord. He maintained his commitment to God. He was able to see it. And that was why he came and became elevated to a point where he received authority to wrestle for the destiny of the nation. And then understanding came. He said, I learned by the books that the time of captivity, 70 years, was what? He had gained ascendance in the spirit. That was why that knowledge was coming to him. That's where that level of understanding will come. And he knew what he was supposed to do. Remember the men of Issachar? They had the understanding of what? Times. And they know what Israel ought to do. Daniel had understanding of the times. He knew that 70 years is complete. It's time to begin to intercede for emancipation. And he knew what he was supposed to do. Then he began to intercede. And when he began to intercede, there was chaos in the heavenlies. Because somebody was entering knowledge. People of God, the devil can easily allow you to have all the monies in the world. See, all that money, all that wealth, cars, everything. Satan is not, those things don't mean anything. The real warfare of your life is when you desire the knowledge of God. That's when you will see the, the red eye of Satan. Because only thing the enemy does not want you to access is the knowledge of God. Because the day you access the knowledge of God, that's the end of him. That's the water. That's the end of Satan. The knowledge of God is the end of Satan. It's the end of Satan. That's when you really see that ah, I shared this. It's, it will, it, Satan will become almost non-existent. As in so powerless that it's almost non-existent. It's knowledge. It's knowledge. You mean a, a, a bed will come and cry on my window in the night and me I will wake up and I'm praying? No. Knowledge has changed. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Knowledge has changed me. Knowledge has changed me. If I see a door and God said, don't take it. Knowledge has changed me. I don't feel any sense of loss. I, are you getting what I'm trying to say? I'm not, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. Oh, this is happening. Can we, can we first of all calm down? I'm at peace. Amen. Knowledge has brought change. Knowledge has brought peace. Knowledge has brought conviction. Knowledge has brought stability. Knowledge has brought what? Equipping. I have taken the word of God as my primary vocation. Hallelujah. Somebody bless this morning. Somebody bless this morning. Tell your neighbor, say, marry the word. Say, make it your first love. Say, those that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploit. So what it is saying so what he's saying is to get the knowledge of God. Somebody bless this morning. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Paul said, I do not cease. I do not. That shows you how important it is. He said, I do not cease to pray for you. And to ask God, the Father of glory, that he may grant to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So, the, so that the eyes of your understanding may be what? Enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his word, of his calling. I want you to go ahead and pray this morning. Father, I pray that the eyes of my understanding be enlightened by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for the visitation and the continued abiding of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for an encounter with the spirit of wisdom. Some of you need, you need the encounter with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word of God needs to open to you. It needs to open to you. 
He needs to open to your eyes. What, what is unresolved in your life is the issue of blindness. It's because of blindness. It's because clarity and enlightenment has not come. The questions of your heart, the issues that are unresolved, the things that you are afraid of, it is because clarity and enlightenment hasn't come. Father, we pray open my eyes lord open my eyes lord open my eyes lord remember elijah and his servant on that mountain when the armies of syria came and surrounded the mountain and the servant was so jittery was so afraid and the lord Elisha prayed, said, Lord, open the eyes of your servant so that he can see. And when his eyes was opened, he saw that there were chariots of angels, powerful chariots of fire, much more than the armies of the enemy surrounding the mountain. Enlightenment brings peace, brings stability, brings conviction, brings strength. We pray for knowledge. We pray that we will increase in the knowledge of the Lord. We pray that our eyes will be enlightened, O oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus that they will grow in stature. We will be strong. We'll become a people, a company that is strong, a company that is strong, a company that is strong in the name of Jesus. And we'll be able to stand firm. We'll be able to stand firm. We pray for enlightenment. We pray for clarity in the name of Jesus. In the things of our lives concerning the word, we pray for clarity with the name of Jesus. Come breathe in me all my life. Take over. I will. 